Is your workspace unhealthy? Do you have bad bosses? Are people saying you can't make it on your own? Well, today, let's make them eat their words. Do you want to do what you want? Do you want better money? Welcome to Dream Job Radio. Today's theme is turn your dreams into sweet revenge. This is Daniel Laxton's. And this is Leah Laxton's. And this is the Dream Job Radio Show, presented by 30careers.com. If you'd like to call in with a question or comment, be sure to call 760-888-5718. Or you can tweet me, Daniel Laxton's, at Daniel Laxton's, D-A-N-I-E-L-L-A-K-S-T-I-N-S. Today, we have a very special guest. Yes, we do. It's the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine cover girl for this month, Marlo Scott. Yeah. But, you know, later on, we're going to also talk with Micah Hackney. Oh. That's right. He's not going to be here this week, is he? That's right. I know. Two weeks in a row. What's going on with camp- Campus Connection? <laughs> yeah. But hey, check in later on next week and you can hear Micah. Or we, you might want to tweet him. Yeah, be sure to tweet Micah the Ace <laughs> and tell him, hey, what's up, buddy? We need our Campus Connect. Yeah. Hey, and then later on, check us out on Overtime. But uh, let's go ahead and get to today's guest. Remember, today's theme is Turn Your Dreams into Sweet Revenge. Marlo Scott is our very special guest. She's an entrepreneur. You may have seen her on the cover of this month's Entrepreneur Magazine or eaten at her fabulous wine and cupcake bar, aptly named Sweet Revenge. Yeah, and she's going to share her secrets of her success. So, hey, Marlo, welcome to the show. Hi, welcome. My pleasure. Thank you so much for the warm welcome. Boy, so... We just love talking with entrepreneurs and successful entrepreneurs, and even being on the Entrepreneurial Magazine, hey, you are a big success. Well, you know, I mean, at least in my mind, I'm trying to be a pretty big deal. That's what my family tells me. So I'm having a lot of fun. I've been, I really have been um, incredibly blessed. It's it's so trippy to see my face on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine. It's the, the April issue, so it's still out on newsstands. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I really have remarkable support from the editorial community for what I'm doing as a small business owner. And then I've got tremendous support right here at 62 Carmine Street in the West Village in Manhattan between my staff and my, my lovely patrons and, and then all my friends and family scattered, scattered everywhere. So very, very fortunate. Well, we're just happy to have you on the show, but can you tell us a bit about your background, maybe how uh, you got into being the owner of a sexy cupcake and beer wine bar? <laughs> sure. I um, I used to be a corporate wonk. I, I worked in media and I've worked for entertainment companies primarily. I used to work for NBC. I started out there after I got my MBA from the University of Michigan. Um, I, I went to work for NBC as um, an in-house investment banker working in corporate development. I really thought I died and gone to heaven. My very first Friday, um, my first week at work, the first Friday was Ricky Martin playing down in the plaza. So I thought that was, you know, I, I mean, is, was there any better job? But uh, at any yeah. rate, I, it was a pretty, pretty crazy work environment, and um, I, I worked for a couple of years doing corporate development. I took a stint in brand licensing for CNBC, put put uh, CNBC news stores in airports across the nation. If you guys have ever seen those, that was a brand licensing deal that I struck back in 2001 with a company called the Parody Shop. And uh, and then I I, went, I moved on um, as is very customary in the world of GE they they kind of rotate you around, and I wound up um, being the director of international finance for Asia and Europe for CNBC. So I had a lot of different functional area experience while I worked at worked at NBC, 
I then went to work for a small investor education company um, for a very short period of time, got laid off. And frankly, it was a, it was a, a layoff from NBC as well. It was a amicable, um, an amicable, amicable situation. But uh, what had happened is I'd taken that finance job and the, the CFO agreed with me and had not materialized into the job that we had envisioned it to be. And um, my choices were stay in finance or go into a, a Six Sigma quality track. And I just couldn't couldn't foresee my, my future, my career, as I was very um, not happy. It wasn't a good fit for me. Um, so, you know, negotiated my, my exit and, and um, you know, again, on very good terms. And then was at the investor education company, ran branded um, – branded programs for them. I actually managed the CNBC relationship for the investor education company. Um, I managed a couple other um, business and finance um, big clients for them, Motley Fool and Business Week um, among among them. And then uh, got laid off, was six months unemployed, went to work for uh, the Fortune Money Group of Magazines, uh, running a, a new business ventures team. Um, and that was, it was going well. I was up for a promotion. I delivered stellar results. My boss um, got moved on, and I got screwed out of my promotion, and that was back in the summer of 2005. And so I fortunately had moved down to the West Village about two blocks away from a very famous cupcake bakery called Magnolia, and I would go and stand in line, and I would analyze the, their business from a from an NBC standpoint, frankly. I, would, uh, I took a look at it in terms of how they were staffed, the operations, production flow, uh, equipment, demand, all those kind of things, product quality, and I would play around with it in my brain. What would I do with it if it were mine? What were the things I would change? So got passed over to that promotion, started right away on uh, baking cupcakes, started talking to everybody in the restaurant industry I could tap. I started taking classes in the restaurant industry, not baking ones, but um, business-related ones, and I started writing a, a business plan in the early spring of 2006 and uh, did a lot of legwork, due diligence, nights and weekends in the, the science industry and business library here in Manhattan, really researching my business plan and writing it. And ultimately, the, the promotion came through. However, about uh, maybe four or five months later, uh, new management came in, and I was laid off 90 days. So uh, 90 days later, it put me in the beginning of 2007. And that was it. I was done. I knew I would never work in another unhealthy environment again. Um, the, the environment for me there was, was very, very toxic and demoralizing. And I knew I just needed to take the big leap of faith and bet on myself, bring my business plan to life, not let anything or anybody, no naysayers, no obstacles get in my way, just do it. And in July 2008, I got the, the doors open for my cupcake beer and wine bar. Wow, that's awesome. What a journey. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. yeah, and you mentioned sort of being inspired by um, the other bakery there in New York, but was that part of then coming up with the concept for um, I didn't use that. When I, when I looked at what, the, what that bakery was doing, I thought they had a, a, a tremendous demand for their product, um, and they had been on Sex in the City, which is what had rocketed them to fame and fortune. Um, and I realized in doing my due diligence at that time, and back in 2005, 2006, there were only a handful of bakeries that specialized in cupcakes. It was very nascent industry. It was just at the start, um, and they were experiencing some pretty, what appeared to be tremendous success because they were all surviving, whereas I'd done some research, had a white paper on the 
on the failure rate of, of the uh, general restaurant industry. And I conducted my own analysis of of all the cupcake places I could find, how many of them had stayed in business, which ones had failed. I crunched the numbers and I compared to that to the white paper findings. And it was like, you know, 8% failure rate in the cupcake industry versus, you know, 60% restaurant failure, uh, you know, over a, a three-year period of time. So um, from a number standpoint, it seemed like a pretty safe uh, business model to get into. And again, with the national media really picking up on anything that was happening in the world of, of cupcakes, Cupcake Couture was coming out. Crate and Barrel had just, uh, you know, debuted a, a two-dozen cupcake you know, portable holder. Um, there, there were some things that were happening. You know, there was a cupcake episode in Ugly Betty. There, there were things that were starting to happen on the landscape regarding, you know, in media and, and, and entertainment regarding cupcakes. And I decided it would be a smart and savvy move to get into a, a fairly simplistic operation that got a lot of media attention. Um, and again, had a had a. a had what looked to be a pretty high success rate. So that is why I decided to go into the world of cupcakes. In terms of it, uh, you know, my concept, I was baking cupcakes um, on the weekends for my friends who were always celebrating. We were excited for the sheer fact that we were not at the office, so we were having a, you know, glass of wine. Um, And um, when I started researching who was actually standing in line and buying cupcakes at these uh, cupcake bakeries here in New York, I, I was really convinced it was going to be primarily all women, you know, 90, 95% women and kind of the stroller set, a lot of young moms, young families, and young kids. And I was really shocked to figure out um, that it was well, 70% women, 30% guys, and the average age bounced between the you know, mid to late 30s. So it was basically all my friends were going and buying cupcakes. And um, I you know, realizing that and combining that with some research I'd done in the restaurant industry, uh, finding out that French bistros were wildly successful. And, you know, then funnily enough, that's where I would go out on the weekends and spend my leisure time at some very, um, you know, fun French bistros and bars around town. And, you know, I just put all of these kind of little bits and pieces together. And I basically built, uh, you know, a bar that I wanted to go hang out in 24-7. It's, it's got yeah. this world inspiration. It's got this great kind of vintage European vibe to it. We play world tunes, reggae, Latin, you know, Indian, you name it, we got it on the iPod. And it's um, it's kind of this sexy, escapist, indulgent, but, you know, very filled with good cheer kind of vibe. It's a great little wine bar. And we happen to make really badass baked goods. Yeah, I love it, and I think uh, you hit that kind of right key because wine, and especially the microbrew beer, seems like it's been sort of it's been gaining popularity like crazy, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, I think, I think that's right, and people are appreciating that authenticity, the craft. You know, they're appreciating that, they're supporting it, um, they get excited about it. There's something fun about you know fostering that entrepreneurial small business craftsmanship and in the west village here in new york it's very much a neighborhood and they really support their local small businesses because they don't want the west village to be overrun with national chains so they come out and they spend their hard-earned disposable income right here in the neighborhood and luckily i'm in a neighborhood that's also a destination for other folks to come down and enjoy and uh, and yeah you know that whole you know being authentic and supporting small business that's uh 
that's that's what I'm doing, and that's what my I think my patrons you know appreciate about me. Yeah, you mentioned a lot of good things that our listeners can use, especially as far as starting your own business. Uh, how you went about you know with your concepts, and not only did you you know go about maybe come up with concept of an idea and, and improving on something that's in the neighborhood that you like, but you you uh, test marketed it, you uh, did research on it, so that's really awesome. But so doing that, um, I mean. When you think about that, I mean, do you really have that much risk? Well, there's always risk involved in starting your business, but what risk did you actually face, do you feel you faced? And have you um, maybe had some changes uh, about that over the time period? Well, when you go into small business, no amount of homework is going to, you know, be a 100% insurance policy against, you know, safeguarding you against risk. So, you know, I put I put my entire life savings, and I got a $400,000 SBA loan on this that I'm responsible for repaying every month. Um, so I, I took on a tremendous amount of obviously personal financial um, risk, and 2008 and 2009 were really rough on me in terms of cash flow and paying vendors, making payroll, those kind of things. It was it was a very very uh, lean time. Um, I pared down my own you know my own personal spend as much as I could going into you know being on. Um, you know, after I was unemployed, you know, I gave up health insurance for three years. I quit my YMCA membership, cut off the home phone, cut off the home internet. You know, I, I, I just I, I ate a lot of peanut butter and saltines. You know, that you just make certain sacrifices that are necessary. You know, in order to mitigate and manage those risks. And in terms of how did I handle, uh, you know, the very lean financial times when there was very little money coming in the door, I basically leveraged some stuff that I had seen work when I was the finance director for CNBC International. And back then, um, you know, one of of the things the company was, you know, kind of very well practiced at was was, um, not – they didn't pay their bills. And they would wait until CFOs would come screaming and want to talk to your CFO. And then then the check could be cut. So they would – you know, it was a kind of a, you know, a cash flow – and, and balance sheet um, action that, you know, made you look healthier from a cash flow standpoint and a balance sheet standpoint. And I realized that I could not pay certain vendors, scrape up a little bit of money, pay the ones that I had to pay, and keep the wheels on, keep the doors going. Um, and I used my – I had not used all of the loan proceeds from the SBA loan. Um, and so what little money I had left, I used it to repay the monthly nut uh, right back to the – you know, for the SBA loan. So, um, you know, and eventually I I, I um, got myself into a situation where I could afford to be a little bit more strategic and I'd spend a couple of minutes each day reaching out to the editorial community, you know, sending introductory emails because I knew I needed to affect the top line to drive money in the door and get cash coming in. And by doing that, um, again, I started that maybe two months into being open for business. I got some traction. I, I wound up um, getting on Time Out New York Magazine's radar screen, and uh, once I dropped off cupcakes to them, they they told me I was going to be the critics' pick. So I think that was in the November of 2008. So just a few months after I opened, I was named their critics' pick. The next month, I was named in their top 100 list of things to eat. And in the spring of the following year, 2009, with less than a year being open, I won um, one of their you know, very prestigious um, eat out awards. So those things started um, really helping get me some visibility, driving patrons in the door. I found time to do a little bit more of that, and 
you know, I got myself over the financial hump. You know, on the, on the cost control side, I wound up bartending every single night for the first year and a half, and most of those nights I did by myself. So I bust every table, I hand washed every dish, I hauled the garbage up the stairs, and that way I didn't have to pay staff because I couldn't afford to pay them, and I didn't pay myself. I, you know, to this day, you know, I'm living off my tips. So, you know, those were the things that I did to get myself over some pretty, pretty big stresses financially related, the risks that I took on. You know, today my life is so different. I don't sweat paying the bills. I got money coming in the door. Business is really um, upticking nicely. I'm branching out more strategically. I launched an apparel line last December. I'm working with my intellectual property attorney to get into some other categories related to scents, kind of like lotions, perfumes, and soaps. Um, looking at other apparel and some other other categories. I'm taking meetings with book agents and TV producers, figuring out how to really extend the brand and the experience of Sweet Revenge well beyond the brick and mortar of 62 Carmine. Yeah, I mean, just looking at, at your website and looking through some of the pictures, it's like just screaming reality, awesome reality show. Thanks. <laughs> you know, screaming like Food Network. So I, I really hope that you get that. You mentioned, you know, some of the PR coverage that you've gotten. I guess that's a great way to get coverage, too, when you have something great like Cupcake to share with people. But, um, but even you, but even if you're not in something that that catches so much media attention like cupcakes, cupcakes still get a lot of obviously national buzz. Um, but even if it's something less sexy or less glamorous or less on the radar screen, there's there's avenues that you can pursue regardless of your product or service, and um, and it's really on you because nobody is going to sell your concept and your your passion, your vision better than you. Um, Obviously, if you got money to burn and you can afford to have a PR, you know, company help you with some heavy lifting, hey, you're you're really fortunate. I I didn't have that luxury, and to me, reaching out and doing, you know, you know, doing these kind of meet and greets, virtual through email, you know, lobbying voicemails, those kind of things, to the editorial community. It's, it's something I'm really comfortable at because, it, to me, I just view that as business development and kind of networking. And I'm very passionate about what I'm doing, so I think that gets communicated. There's there's a terrific resource called helpareporterout.com. They send out daily e-newsletters e um, with journalist queries looking for help with their stories. And so I scan those. I prioritize those every single day when they come in. I take a quick look. I see if there's anything that's relevant, and if there is, I stop, drop, and roll on it. I uh, Time is of the essence with those kind of opportunities. And so I prioritize writing, crafting my response, making sure it's really bang up, and then putting it out there to the world. And because of that, I've gotten some really great um, additional publicity. Right now I'm in Subaru's Drive magazine. Um, they did a, a feature of, I think, four or five different entrepreneurs with inspiring stories, and I'm one of them. I'm also on um, on a feature on creditcards.com about how I financed my my small business through my my personal uh you know putting my life savings through um my, uh, putting some money on a, a personal credit card and then uh, ultimately obviously the lion's share was the SBA loan um I'm you know I just I just talked with uh with MSN yesterday and uh, had an interview with them that's looking very promising regarding um an opportunity for business on Maine um, regarding staffing and hiring and training. So it, it's a tremendous resource. And, again, I, I reach out to the foodies of the world here in town, the food editorial community. I'm I'm also having fun exploring new opportunities. Because of being on that cover, 
you know, I happen to be wearing a Kenneth Cole necklace and uh, Nine West boots. So what I do, got on the horn, got in touch with their PR people and said, hey, you should check this out. You're on the cover of the magazine. Let's talk about opportunities. So it's just, it's, you know, it's really fun and everything is possible. You just have to be very creative and you have to be very, very relentless in professionally pursuing um, you know, blind leads and even people who you wind up, you know, forming relationships with always being conscientious and, and respectful and um, positive and enthusiastic and, and, uh, and persevering. You're listening to the Dream Job Radio Show presented by 30careers.com. Our special guest is uh, Marlo Scott. Now, uh, Marlo, boy, a lot of good stuff that our listeners are, are getting from the things that you're mentioning to us. It's um, a lot of good information. So what sort of sacrifices would you say you've made in order to be your own boss? Well, obviously there's the financial sacrifices. I haven't had a paycheck since 2007. Um, I went without health insurance for uh, over three years. I work seven days a week. Um, but, uh, you know, I, you know I, I think those things are fairly small sacrifices for me because the trade-off is, I get to be my own boss. I get to call my own shots. Nothing gets in my way of what I want to do with the visions, the dreams, the, the goals that I have, except for me. I'm the only thing that gets in my way. If, and that's usually a function of not having enough hours in the day, literally, to to execute or actualize on an idea that I've got. And while that's frustrating, I'll take that frustrating situation any day over you know, the frustrations I experienced when I was a, a wonk in the corporate machine. Yeah, that's awesome. So what do you see as the future of Sweet Revenge? And if somebody wants to come in and check it out, where can they find you? And what's the best day of the week to uh, get the best cupcake? Every day is the best day at Sweet Revenge. You're having a fabulous cupcake and an amazing wine or beer from around the world. Or maybe you're having brunch with us on the weekends. We've got a gorgeous brunch menu. We've got an all-new lunch menu we're going to debut the second week of May. And uh, come the fall, we're, we will be debuting um, a, an all-new breakfast menu. So the business is evolving in really fun and tasty ways. Um, in terms of the, the, the future of the business, again, I, I, I'm creating a lifestyle brand with Sweet Revenge. So as I mentioned, working with my intellectual property attorney to secure some rights in other categories, uh, some trademark rights in other categories, figuring out how to bring those categories to life, I really would like to nail a television deal, and I am in discussions with um, with a, a, you know a couple of different production companies. Um, so it's very interesting. I you know I see everything as very possible. When I've had meetings with book agents, I realize I'm I'm not quite ready yet to write the book. There's a chapter that's yet to be experienced, and um, and so I know once once I once I have that chapter cemented, that I'm going to write a book, and it's going to be. You know, I'm totally gonna eat, pray, love myself right into Hollywood. You know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make a big blockbuster movie off of it. That's awesome. It sounds good. Well, again, uh, we, uh, well, you're listening to the Dream Job Radio Show, and our special guest has been Marlo Scott. She is the owner of Sweet Revenge. She's an entrepreneur. She's featured on this month's Entrepreneur Magazine, and uh, we thank you so much, Marlo, for for coming on the show. Yes. It's been Thank my pleasure. So I I certainly appreciate this lovely opportunity, and I I hope you guys and uh, and your listeners get a chance to come visit me again. I'm in the West Village here in Manhattan at 62 Carmine Street, so please come and enjoy. Or you know, frankly, you can buy my apparel online at SweetRevengeApparel.com. Had to get that plug in there. That's that's awesome. Yeah, definitely check out the website too. We enjoyed uh, seeing all the 
beautiful cupcakes and, and salivating over that. So. Well, and me, I'm salivating because of the beer. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Even though you can't maybe drink it or eat it virtually, you can enjoy it at SweetRevengeNYC.com. That is true. Absolutely. And we'll be sure to look you up next time we're in the big city. That would be great. Thank you so much, guys. Thank you. Okay, cheers. You can also- you can also go to her website at www.sweetrevengenyc.com and uh, check out everything that's going on. We just can't can't thank Marlo enough for taking the time out of her busy schedule to come on the show. So be sure to show her some love uh, from Dream Job Radio. You know, she she mentioned a lot of very good points, and uh, one of the things I, I noticed too is that she didn't mind um, doing a lot of the work herself. You know, sometimes you get the idea you want to start your own business and, well, I'm going to bring all these Delegate, delegate, right? Yeah. yeah. But sometimes you have to because if, say, if you're not capable of marketing, um, then you, maybe you should hire someone to market things or, or then bring someone in. Of course, you're splitting your money with that person. But Yeah, it, it kind of reminded me of what our guest said last week, Brenton, because uh, he talked about how his first business failed because he had the wrong team yeah. and he had too many people yeah. sort of all dipping into that what ended up being a small pot, the smaller pot than they, you know, realized. So kind of like keep it simple, do a lot yourself, do what you can yourself. She's doing nobody's, Yeah, and nobody's going to take care of your business like you, you know. No, no one will. Although, obviously, delegation is a great art to learn. So. And even even what to, to do in the future, if you notice, she's uh, created a business, and then over the next few years, as it became a success, now she's branching out to other things, uh, fragrance and soap and just different things that are kind of related to her business. Yeah, definitely. There. So it, uh, there's some good advice. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, everyone, like we mentioned, this week's Campus Connection segment uh, has been delayed until next week. So please be sure to Twitter at Mike of the Ace and tell him, come on, I need my Campus Connection. Get back on the air. So instead, we're going to talk about next week's show, and speaking of which, we are taking booking um, interest, I guess, through the next three months. Yeah, so if you know someone or you would like to be on the show, please be sure to uh, send an email to Micah. Yeah, Micah at 30careers.com. The next week's show, we're going to still continue on talking about entrepreneurs. Uh, We're looking at, say, yeah, you want to know what to do, getting your business off on the right foot. Maybe that's what we can look at next week. Yeah, absolutely. So we're going to check that out. Um, and I guess we can briefly mention what we're going to talk about on overtime. We talked to another great entrepreneur last night, Mr. Sam um, oh, Sam from Dogfish Head Brewery yeah. was here. Cogaloni. It's an Italian name. It's good, though. Yeah. Sam was here in town in Austin for um, their short film festival that they do every year. So, so tonight in Austin, well, if you're listening to the podcast, I guess you'll have missed it, but it's okay. But tonight in Austin, they're actually going to be showing the the winner of yeah, the, the short film festival. So, but last night was the beer fest dinner, and uh, at Alamo Draft House, one of our local institutions, our favorites, and. Mm-hmm. And it was awesome. We they paired seven beers that were, you know, unique. I guess you could say. Very unique. Yes, yeah, so, some of the recipes were over two thousand years old. And Sam talked about how he got started and everything like that. And what was really interesting about it is, you know, I think the overwhelming theme is that Sam is just a really laid back, easygoing guy. Yeah. And him and all three of his roommates now 
have all, you know, started successful businesses or successful That's entrepreneurs. Yeah. Sam Caligoni. Yeah, is it? Yeah, what is that? Yeah. That's right. I don't know if it's you, but anyway, uh, Sam from Dogfish Head. We all know him. We all know Sam. We love Sam Caligoni, you know? So, um, so yeah, what's really cool, though, is that basically he just has a very laid-back yet easygoing personality. It's a great fit for an entrepreneur, you know, laid-back, easygoing. Yeah. Start a business, you'll be successful. Yeah. So. Shoot us some questions. Uh, go to 30careers.com and click on contact us and, and shoot us some questions too. But um, we're getting ready to go to overtime. Yeah, so check out Justin TV and check us out there. But until next week, this is Leo Laxton. And this is Daniel Laxton. And this, you've been listening to the Dream Job Radio Show. Do you want to do what you want? Do you want better money? Welcome to Dream Job Radio.